The White Sox fans, Brett Ballantini here again on the Southside Podcast, Southside Sox Podcast. It is Southside Sox Podcast number 18. Big news, of course, yesterday breaking Liam Hendricks signing with the White Sox. A move forecasted by, oh, I don't know, guess who? You know, if you're a White Sox fan, you do not need a Magic 8 ball. You do not need to throw E-Ching sticks. You don't need a D&D die. You just need to follow James Fox on Twitter because he's going to deliver the goods for you. Uh, a week ago, he pretty much broke the story. He said, Brett, we got to get this thing up sort of quick. Even though it was a Sunday night, you got to get it up sort of quick because something's happening. All right, it turned out to be a week delay, but Hendricks is a White Sox. James Fox joins us on the podcast here. James, you did it again. I did. I, you know, I was, I was getting a little bit scared though. You know, I was like, ah, you know, they're not going to, I was pretty confident they were going to get it done. Um, you know, obviously I thought it was coming like within days of publishing. Um, and I didn't really want to wait. Um, cause they had already had the article written, you know? Um, but yeah, it is what it is. It took a while. You know, I don't know exactly what happened, but it seems like typical agent shenanigans. Uh, I think, Liam Hendricks wanted to be in Chicago pitching for the White Sox for a lot of reasons that we can get into. Um, but you know, you got to get that last bit of last bit of money. And he, like, he's never really been paid before. So, you know, good for him. He just guaranteed himself $54 million. Right. And to the, and to the White Sox credit, listen, they got a little pushback from the Hendricks camp and they found a way to get it done. They, they clearly marked this guy as maybe even their top priority in this off season, certainly among free agents. And they got it done. And so however you want to quibble with how it got done or that crazy, weird, like, will he or won't he uh, fourth-year option, which isn't really, uh, you know, quibble all you want. But they got their guy, and they got the best closer in the game. Yeah, they did. And, there's, you know, there's been some, some talk about that. And, you know, we often talk about White Sox Twitter and how crazy it is at times. But, I mean – yeah, I mean, it, it's the best closer in baseball right now. You know, the uh, MLB Network did their shredder thing last night, and he, he was – it was pretty funny because he was listed as like the – it's almost like they knew he was signing. You know, you almost wonder about some of that stuff because <laughs> they did high leverage relievers or whatever yesterday, and Liam Hendricks is like, oh, the best starter in baseball. And then an hour later, you know, he has an agreement, at whatever, like in principle with the White Sox, and it's like all over the place. So that was kind of interesting, but – yeah, I mean he's he's been uh, really really good, and I wrote some of that in the piece, and I put some you know some heat maps in there just to show you like the transformation you know with this guy. I mean he was you know he's been in the big leagues for a while, and he was kind of a underachieving starter that even considered like going and pitching in Japan or Korea or you know, and he bounced around. He was designated for assignment four times, and uh, you know, with Oakland, what Oakland used him as an opener, I believe, two years ago in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, he, you know, the stuff ticked way up and he's throwing, you know, high 90s and he's using like some of the, you know, high four seamer and tunneling it, you know, and he's just been stellar. He's been, he's been the best reliever in baseball. Um, you know, you don't like to pay for past performance, obviously, but I think that, you know, they think he's got a few more years here. I mean, it, like it's, he's going to be 32, I think, when the season starts, but he doesn't have the arm of a 32-year-old because he doesn't, he doesn't have the innings load that most guys with that sort of success would have. Yeah. Uh, James' story from last week sort of anticipating this move is, is linked below on this podcast post. Uh, but, James, you sort of alluded to the fact his age and uh, the, um, the amount of wear on the arm, which isn't great, especially for his age. How much in your gut do you think he has to be that top or let's just call near the top level closer of this contract 
for it to pay off for the Sox. Does he just need one great year? Does he need to duplicate 2019 next year and that pretty much pays a contract? Do you need two years, three years? What's your feeling about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I you know, I probably need two to justify it, but the thing is, like, if the Sox win the World Series in 2021, oh, nobody's, yeah. nobody's yeah. going to care, right? So, sure. so it's just kind of, I think, about that. And honestly, you know, it's really not that much money, right? Like, we think it's a lot of money because we, we follow the White Sox, <laughs> and, like, this is, like – you know, is this going to stop them yeah. from doing other stuff? It probably, it probably will, because that's the way that this team operates, right? On these yeah. arbitrary budgets. Um, but I mean, it's $54 million. It's, you know, I was joking with somebody like earlier, you know, because like we could pick on Jerry Reinser if all we want to, but guess which owner in baseball's guaranteed the most money to a free agent this off season <laughs> so far? Jerry Reinser. Uh, hey, come on, Jerry. $54 million. <laughs> Nobody else has committed that kind of dough yet. So, The Sox were determined to get Hendricks. Obviously, they, they dug through in this past week when negotiations, you know, there's maybe a little stalemate or perhaps there were a couple teams being trotted out as competition that perhaps really weren't. Uh, to your way of thinking, I know maybe it made you slightly uneasy, but uh, did you ever think it was there was anything real that the, that the Sox were going to let Hendricks get away? So I guess the only thing I thought was, like, I knew that they were apprehensive about a fourth year, and obviously, sure. you know, we've seen some of the gymnastics that they've played there with this fourth-year option type thing, and obviously they were holding out for four years. I had heard the Sox really didn't want to go for, obviously, right. like for obvious reasons. So, yeah, I thought it was possible that somebody desperate could just pop in and guarantee a fourth year to Liam Hendricks, and all of a sudden you lose him. But usually when it drags on like this, it's because – the agent doesn't have the fourth year, right? Like if there was a fourth year, this guy's probably signed a long time ago. I mean, I think after the Eaton and Lance Lynn moves, I had spoken to, you know, one of the more prominent White Sox beat writers. It's been around for a very long time. I'll let everybody else try to figure <laughs> out who that is. Um, you know, kind of thought that closer would be done. Like that felt that next week, like after Eaton, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I think something's going to move here. And then it just kind of didn't, you know? So you know, that, that was a little bit of a surprise, but I did hear like reaching out, you know, through some sources that know Liam Hendricks, um, you know, like he's big into this codify baseball, I think is what it's called. And it's like heat maps um, for like pitching success. And the White Sox are one of the teams like at the forefront of this where they've like really used this stuff. Um, and a lot of other organizations haven't. Um, Yasmani Grandal is a big proponent of it along with Lucas Giolito as well. I guess it's big, like Liam Hendricks attributes a lot of his like recent career success to it. And, you know, the Sox are like on the cutting edge, whereas, you know, the two teams that were rumored to be interested, Houston um, and I believe Toronto, like aren't really. And there were some other issues too. Like he, Liam Hendricks was very much like, um, against the sign stealing scandal and was, very, you know, talked a lot about right. that. And, you know, was, so, you know, I had talked to somebody that knows people in Houston that said like, even the people in Houston were like, yeah, we, they didn't think he was coming because of that. Like yeah. he just like couldn't let it go. And then the big animal lover, I guess that Liam Hendricks is, you know, one of the reasons he was drawn to Tony La Russa is the animal like rescue charity that Tony La Russa runs, you know, there's, there's no pit bulls allowed in the city of Toronto, which is just another like weird quirk, right? Like, right. look, I think Liam Hendricks is in Chicago or signing with Chicago because of $54 million. Like I think money talks, right. But, but there were some other like factors, like making him want to come here in the first place. James, how crazy is it? Okay. The White Sox are spending the, have spent the most 
and free agents. They're cutting edge. We're talking about the White Sox, right? I'm interviewing you about the White Sox. I consider you our White Sox insider. This is the White Sox we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think George Springer or Trevor Bauer is coming next. So, you know, we don't have to get that carried away. Right, okay, fair but enough. Yeah, but for no. now, in this moment, exactly. Well, that's why it's – I mean, it is weird, right? Like, there, there's a whole big segment of the fan base, obviously, that's still, you know, not too happy about Tony La Russa, right? And then you, you sign Adam Eaton, you cheaped out in right field. And, you know, there are a lot of people that I feel like are, like, just, like, upset, I guess, about the general direction of the team. And I think they might have the best roster in the American League. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can have, I mean, yeah, there's some issues, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. you can think that the front office like doesn't know what they're doing and the owner's cheap and like, but they might have the best roster in the American league yeah. right now. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of, you know, they've done some stuff, right? I mean, this is a good, this is a really good baseball team. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm sure we're going to get into it a little bit. Like I, I don't think they're done. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I'm going to like, is, is, Spending $50 million on a closer, the best use of resources, maybe maybe not, but at least they got the best guy in the sport, right? Like if you're going to do it, do it. And otherwise we'd be complaining about that 50 million being kept in somebody's pocket, you know? So, I mean, there's spending, there's nothing wrong with fans wanting uh, the the most perfect 26 man fit on the roster. Of course, we want to push the team for that. We got to hold their feet to the fire. And when they take a step back, maybe with a managerial choice or your choice for right field, of course it's fair uh, to fire on them. But at the same time, you do have to give credit when the money is spent and you have to get credit for what the situation is. I mean, Jeff Passan, I think just, just wrote an article that said, Hey, White Sox are the best team in the American league. It's not necessarily for what they've done. It's for what the other teams haven't done. And that counts. I mean, we can just focus on the White Sox and say, Hey, they haven't done this yet. They haven't done that yet. Hey, why they spend so much. And that's all fine. You can have the criticism, but contextually you got to look around and say, okay, well, Cleveland just bowed out of the race. Minnesota's done nothing. Uh, other teams have lost uh, key pieces and the White Sox may whether it's backing into it or not, it doesn't matter. You back into the World Series, you're in the World Series, James. Right. Like, are they are they going to be the biggest spender in the American League, like, at the end of the offseason? I'd say probably not. Right. You know, because somebody's signing George Springer to a lot of money at some point, right? But, I mean, I think they're going to probably fill all their needs, and hopefully they do so without trading prospects. And then you have prospects that you can trade at the deadline if anything goes, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the way that you didn't anticipate it was going to go. I mean mm-hmm. – Look, everybody wants, like, the best team possible. And I think, like, people look at the San Diego Padres and freak out because they have players that, you know, we either could have had or had once, right? And people get mad. But, like, look, that's the second-place team probably in the National League West. So, you know, like, we don't have to worry about the San Diego Padres, like, until we get to the World Series unless, like, they're moving to our division somehow and nobody told me. So while you want the best team possible, you want to win – whatever, a title, multiple titles. I've always been under, you know, I've always thought the best way to do that is to win your division all the time. If you win your division every year, you get a shot at the tournament every year that, you know what I mean? Like you don't build a team to win the world series. You build a team to win the regular season. And then you hope everything goes right. Once you get into the tournament. Right. So we weren't complaining last year when it was a surprise. Oh, the playoffs were expanded. Oh, they were expanded. Well, okay. They got a playoff spot. They, they wouldn't have made the playoffs if it was a normal year. Okay. Well, it's not a normal year. It's this year. So you do have to just sort of take what you're dealt. And, uh, you know, this is the first step. As Ricky Renner, he always preached, hey, it was important to get these guys the experience. Hey, they got the experience. That gives them a, 
you know, that gives them a, a foot forward coming into 2021 now, now that they're apparently maybe the favorites in the American League, you know. So uh, we can't complain. It is easy to nitpick, and I don't think it's unique to, to White Sox Twitter, White Sox fan base. You know, we want to nitpick our team. We want the team to be as good as possible. Uh, and, you know, it's good that they're under the, the microscope. Whether or not they listen, whether or not they respond, you know, it's, it's not an exercise in complete futility unless, of course, you're – spending today grousing about Liam Hendricks because it's just not a situation to grouse. But thank God, I tend to always see new deals and, and, and feel the negative first. And I talk to guys like you or I see some other comments. I see comments even on Southside Sox. And it always evens me out a little bit because I realize, you know, there's more angles to look at, ones I haven't necessarily considered. And, uh, you know, it always sort of evens me out a little bit. So thank you, James. You, you helped oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> you kept me cool today. <laughs> well, look, there, there's some stuff that, you know, really grinds my gears, obviously, but I'm not going to, I mean, after the White Sox signed Liam Hendricks, you know, my, my talking point isn't, you know, they should have spent the money on Michael Brantley instead. You know, it's just kind of not where my brain goes. So we're going to jump in a second. We're going to jump to maybe what still needs to be done. You've alluded to the fact that you don't think that they're finished, but let's just take one second and just have a little philosophical discussion. Closers, play a limited role. They're very specialists. Obviously their, their appearances are very high leverage, even in a massive season, like Hendricks's 2019, he had about, he faced about 5% of Oakland's uh, batters, opposition batters. Uh, you know, he's obviously he's taken about 4% of the roster space on a 26 man roster. And of course, closers are always paid far more than that. Are you a guy who uh, subscribes, I suppose, maybe to the LaRusa thinking of, you know, the closer being so significant, uh, Ricky Renner did, Renteria did this as well, and I think most managers do. Uh, do we overvalue the importance of closers, or is it important to have that guy come in to say, just for peace of mind, this weird like mental thing, clubhouse thing, that doesn't necessarily translate to on the field, uh, important to have a guy for your ninth inning, for your eighth and ninth inning, um, or is that maybe overblown? I, don't, I just like having a bunch of good arms, and I think that's what they have. So that's why I kind of like – uh, Hendricks in particular, right, is because I think if – and not that Tony will necessarily do this, but, you know, if, you're, if your best three hitters are in the seventh and he's got to come in and, you know, get three guys out in the seventh, he can. And you might have Crochet in your bullpen or Bummer or a guy that could close later. So, yeah, I think having high leverage relievers is valuable. I would prefer my team develop their own and then trade them and then develop more because – you know, there's nothing better than developing a relief pitcher and trading him for six years of a position player. And then, you know, you just get another one, you know, that, so like where, like, I understand like spending on closer um, isn't the best use of resources, obviously. And we saw the White Sox do it with David Robertson. I'm glad that like, if they're going to do, or if, you know, they're doing it, I'm glad it's for the best guy and it's for this guy. Now I think with a guy like Alex Colomay, like Alex Colomay pretty much can pitch the ninth and and that's it. Like he's not really, you know, you're not going to bring him in in the eighth. You're not going to bring him in in a non-save situation because, you know, it's just like you're sitting there feeling, feeling not so great when he's like on the mound, like going to get in a tie game. And, and he didn't respond to that very well either. No, where I think Hendricks, I don't know if it's because he wasn't like conditioned and brought up as a closer. Like maybe he doesn't really care. Like he's just kind of coming into, you know, shove it up the other team's butt, like, you know, wherever he's throwing. So, 
you know, I guess I'm, I, I agree with, with both sides of it, right? Like, do I think set closer is necessary? No, but I think the way the league is going, like you need a freaking stud bullpen with a bunch of like different options. Because James starters just aren't going as deep anymore. James Fox always doing work for the White Sox. I think he's just stumbled upon the possible 2021 slogan, shove it up the other team's butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I, I agree with you. Uh, if you're going to buy high, never never great at any position, and certainly not when it comes to your, your the, sh- the short arms and the relievers. But if you are going to buy high, you at least buy the best, buy, buy the Cadillac. And that's what they did with Hendricks. So you can only quibble so much. In fact, you probably shouldn't quibble at all, but you can only quibble so much. Now, contingent on all of this, for us to be even happier is perhaps if a couple more holes are filled or if there's a little bit more activity still to come for the White Sox. You seem very confident that there is. So let's talk a little bit about that. I believe maybe let's just kick off with the possibility of a Lucas Giolito extension to make sure he's here. Maybe it's buying out some, some arbitration and so forth, but uh, something that might keep him here and, and give us a good feeling about our ace. Yeah. So Lucas Giolito's first year arbitration eligible, I believe, um, you know, he should get somewhere in the five to $8 million range. That deadline for, I guess, exchanging is Friday. Um, now I don't, that's not when, you know, if they right. decide to go to arbitration, that's like not when the actual hearing is. Um, Right. They need, you know, they need a deal by Friday. Otherwise, they go to arbitration. And apparently the White Sox and his camp are talking. They've talked in the past. You know, it was not that he was, like, opposed to an extension. He was just fine going year to year, and he trusts himself. And, you know, if you know anything about Lucas Giolito, he comes from a family, you know, that has money. And I just don't think, you know, it's something that he really cared about. Now, I do think Ethan Katz being in the organization, like, maybe that right. sways him a little bit. I think he's a little bit – you know, it's a tough guy to extend because it's not a guy coming from Latin America or Cuba, you know, with an agent that, you know, is looking to get their three to 5% like off that deal too. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, this one, if it happens, will look pretty fair. It's not going to look like some of the other ones where you're like, oh man, that looks like a serious underpay. So, I mean, if you're looking at buying out three years of arbitration, you're probably what I said, like five to 8 million this year. You're probably up around the 10 to 12 million range and then maybe 15. Right. So if you're talking 30, 35 million over the first three and then options with, you know, maybe it's like a five-year deal in the 70 to 80 range with some sort of like built-in Rickon options at the end of it too. You know, I think something like that's fair. Um, I, you know, if he, if he signs a one-year deal by Friday, you know, the extension talks probably, you know, the, the extension is right. probably not happening. Right. Um, but I think we could hear, you know, I, I guess I would just say that like, if Lucas Giolito is extended before Friday, I'm not going to be surprised because, you know, they, it is one of the off season priorities along with, I think another possible, you know, a little mini extension for Lance Lynn as well. That was part of, yeah. part of looking to get him. Yeah, one of the things the White Sox are doing, which all uh, great organizations are going to do, or all successful organizations are going to do, is identifying the guys that are valuable enough to you to commit to at a young enough age and commit to those guys. And hopefully you have players willing to buy in on the team and they're not already disgruntled and want to get away. Uh, and we've, we've seen that, obviously, with Aloy Jimenez and uh, Luis Robert, uh, Yon Mankata, uh, Lucas Giolito. Clearly, source falls a little bit outside of that. But, you know, he fits in basically with the, you know, numbers-wise, he, he fits in with those guys. And um, 
obviously he plays probably even a more prominent leadership role than, than any of them. So he'd be a really great guy to have in the back pocket for a number of years coming. So we don't necessarily have to do this year to year thing with, with Giolito and arbitration. Now there's probably a need for another uh, rotation arm, probably a need at least for some form of bat, probably not going to be a, a big wampum bat. Like uh, maybe we dreamed of back in October or November, but uh, do you think both are likely to get done one more likely than the other, or will there be a significant piece added um, meaning a guy who doesn't just automatically slot into the the number four in the rotation or a bat that's sort of a sort of a DH kind of bat. Anything significant or just probably some filler pieces that Larusa uh, has his eye on? Yeah, so I mean, I think if it is significant, it'll probably be a trade. And I just, I don't know. I, I just like don't think that, you know, like they've talked to, about Sonny Gray in Cincinnati. You've heard Joe Musgrove in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I think they've talked to the Brewers for like a year about Corbin, Kirk Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. But those guys are going to cost something pretty significant. Like I've heard Cody Hoyer's name mentioned in deals going back, but it's not just going to be for Cody Hoyer. I mean, you're talking no. Nick Madrigal possibly on the table, Jonathan Stever. So those would be the names. I think they just, I think they just sign another starter, probably short term. I think the issue with that, though, is the Drew Smiley contract in Atlanta, I think, mm. threw the market for a loop. I mean, you got a one-year $11 million deal for Drew yeah. Smiley. So if you think you're signing a Garrett Richards <laughs> or a Jose Quintana for less yeah. than that, you know, you probably got another thing coming. So, yeah, I mean, so I think that leads you to explore, like, hey, could we trade a couple of prospects for somebody cheaper that's just as good? Maybe, you know, but I, I think they'll end up, you know – Garrett Richards, uh, even maybe like Adam Wainwright for a year, something along. I mean, there's a lot of guys on the market. Yeah. And I do think in an ideal world for them, by July, CeCe and Kopech are both in the rotation. I just think you can't plan on that from the start. Um, and I think Ronaldo Lopez probably moving to a bullpen role yeah. if he's on the team. So um, as far as the other thing, I, I don't think a big like designated hitter, like big bat is coming by any – I don't think – you know, at all. Um, it's just, I don't think they want to tie up the DH spot. I think Andrew Vaughn is going to play a big part this year. I don't, I don't think from the beginning, but I mean, if he's going to play 125 games, yeah, it's going to be a lot. Then you, well, you're not half. signing Marcel, you're not signing Marcel Azuna yeah. like to block him. Right. So, right. you know, I think a guy they'd love is, is Tommy LaStella. Um, he's a guy that LaRusse is very familiar with from Anaheim. I think Tommy still lives here. Um, but you would think there would be more opportunity for him elsewhere. Um, but, I mean, he is probably a platoon guy at this stage, a really good one. 151 uh, weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching last year. So, I mean, Tommy Lestella is a guy that fits really, really well as a guy where if you want to leave Andrew Vaughn in the minors, I mean, Lestella could play every day against righties and you could just mix and match that DH spot nicely. So if it's not him, maybe a Cesar Hernandez or a, like a Brad Miller type, I do think a versatile left-handed hitting infielder makes more sense um, than another outfielder. Um, but who knows? I, I think I think they'll add a versatile left-handed bat of some sort. It won't be a huge deal by any means. Um, and then another starter – and then I think we've talked about it before, maybe very cheap backup catcher on the horizon at some point. I mean, look, they may be in a spot here where they can just wait and let the market come to you, yeah. come to them because Major League Baseball is seems set on starting spring training on time because they really, you know, that's a whole other podcast, obviously. But yeah. the owners really have no leg to stand on, and the MLBPA wants 162 games of pay. So 
as of now, everything's starting on time, and you got a ton of free agents left exactly. to sign in a month. There's a lot so, of guys without jobs. Yeah. As much as we can say Drew Smiley's throwing everything off, well, there's a bunch of guys still waiting, not knowing where you know mm-hmm. where they're going to be having their commissary meals this year. So yeah. uh, clearly, so there there may be something in between there because there are just there's just a lot of well, and I I out. think we heard about the spring training thing yesterday because I think right now they're negotiating the mm. the health and safety protocols, the mm. DH, which is probably going to be in both leagues. Mm-hmm. And the expanded playoffs. I mean, look, they expanded the playoffs last year. I don't think they're ever going away. I don't think it's going to be eight teams. That was a, that was a, that was they excessive. Like, haven't they like sold that round to ESPN, even though it doesn't exist yet? Yeah. So I yeah. think it's sort of out. There. Yeah, I think it's happening. Right. So I, I think it's more likely to be seven teams instead of eight, and maybe six long term um, prior to expansion. But yeah, man, like that stuff generally when leagues add more playoff teams, they don't take them away. Yeah, you don't pull it back, yeah. Yeah. It yeah, just like team uh, leagues don't really contract. Yeah, you don't really pull that stuff back in. Well, right now all these leagues, like I understand like as a fan, you know, you don't want watered down sports leagues, but expansion makes sense in all these leagues right now because it's, I mean, the expansion fees are over a billion dollars per club in every sport. I mean, that's, you know, I know like neither one of us feels sorry for, for the owners, um, but it, <laughs> But it, it, you know, it can make a difference in paying back some of their money. You add two. I mean, the NBA is talking adding two teams. Mm-hmm. Baseball is probably going to add two at some point here. Yeah. So, you know, that that makes sense at this point. Well, in terms of the pool of players, you know, in each of these sports, or certainly in baseball's case, it's it's more international than ever. So, I mean, the, the pool does increase too. You know, I mean, NBA we've seen that. So. Uh, you know, it's not as if we're just going to be pulling double-A players up into the majors to pitch. Well, and in, baseball, some cases. and in baseball, it seems like all you need to do is try. And you can, and <laughs> yeah. you can Imagine so, that! Yeah. Hey, we're trying this year, James! This is awesome! Yeah, that's what somebody was talking about the White Sox, like, earlier, and I, like, laughed, and then I had to pinch myself, and I was like, oh, gee. One of the national guys was like, oh, the San Diego Padres and the White Sox have yeah. distinguished themselves by trying. Yeah. Like, they're they're trying to get better, <laughs> you know? While the rest of the while the rest of the sport waits, you'd think it'd be easy, but uh, it is a little complicated. But the White Sox are on the right side of that curve, and uh, you've been there reporting it for us and uh, throwing great stuff out there on Twitter. So again, listeners and readers, just check out the Twitter feed, check out the articles on Southside Sox, and of course on Future Sox if you're going to dip into the minor league realm because James always got good stuff. He's got great context. That's why I like to call him our White Sox insider. He does a job for us, and he essentially broke the Liam Hendricks story for us last week. But now it's reality this week, and thank you for hopping on for this emergency Liam Hendricks podcast. I know you got a lot of other commitments uh, here today and uh, other people to talk to as we celebrate having a legit top-of-the-line closer with the Chicago White Sox. So uh, thanks for hopping on the Southside Sox podcast, James, and uh, let's talk again real soon. Sounds good, Brett. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, James.